Hallelujah. Can we give Jesus praise? He's the one that deserves it. Come on. Can we give our Lord and Savior the praise that he deserves? Amen. Hallelujah. Such a blessing to be back here in uh, North Carolina. I was telling Reese, uh, I came in on Friday, and um, I didn't really wake up till this morning. Um, and I had no, have you, ever, have you ever not known how tired you were until you got a chance to actually rest? And uh, so I just want to just say to the New Hope family, it's just a gift that I get to come back and be a part, but also that you got me here on Friday so I could sleep uh, for two days and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> get a chance to minister today. Well, we are so excited about the Word of God. And again, for those of you that are visiting and uh, maybe some of you that are listening and you're far from God, you just don't know God and you're kind of uh, investigating what this whole Christian thing is about, uh, you're in the right place. And we're grateful that we believe God will help lead you closer to him. Let's pray as we approach the Word of God again together. Father, we love you for this day. It's a day that you've made and we thank you so much that you have a word for us. We pray, God, on this Palm Sunday that we'd be mindful of what happened historically, but that, God, you would also give a revelation to what you would have that historical occurrence uh, mean to us. Uh, God, would you uh, convict us of the things that would uh, uh, maybe hinder us and keep us from being all that you've called us to be, draw us closer to you. We'll be careful, God, to give any praise and any glory and any honor uh, where it belongs, and that is to you, our Lord and our Savior. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 21, beginning at verse 1. Matthew, chapter 21, beginning at verse 1. In the NIV, says these words. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there uh, with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets. Say to the daughter of Zion, see, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that were, went ahead of him, uh, there were crowds that went ahead of him, and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? And the crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all those that were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. When the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants? You, Lord, have called forth your praise. I want to talk from the subject parade, palms and purging a parade palms and purging. I have a daughter, Tiffany. Uh, she's my only child. And uh, several years ago, my prayer life increased 
drastically. As a matter of fact, any of you all that have children know that children will drastically increase your prayer life. And so uh, uh, as my daughter was uh, excited and sharing with me this great news that she had of these tickets that she had just gotten to a, uh, a, a festival called Bonnaroo, uh, she said, Dad, I'm going to Bonnaroo. Uh, I said, what is a Bonnaroo? She said, Dad, it's a festival and it's in Kentucky. I said, in Kentucky. Uh, all right, okay. And she said, and it's just outdoors. It's kind of like Coachella. And so instantly I began to come against it in the mighty name of Jesus. <laughs> and true story, uh, something happened and she wasn't able to go. So I, I don't know if God heard my prayers or not, but... Uh, <laughs> God will hear prayers now. And let me tell you what happened. So, so, so this, con, this conference or this concert or whatever is like many of those that maybe you've seen where thousands and thousands of people gather in these open fields to hear these artists sing. And you all, uh, I, I can kind of imagine what Jerusalem looked like during this time that Jesus prepared to enter. As a matter of fact, you all, Jerusalem itself is said to have about uh, 100,000 is the, is, the, is the low end, but 300,000 is the high end of inhabitants that actually lived at that time in the city of Jerusalem. So somewhere between 100 and 300,000 people actually lived in Jerusalem and called it their dwelling. But you all, we believe that during the Passover seasons, and this was the season where all of those who were followers of the Jewish tradition were uh, told to go to Jerusalem and to bring their sacrifices and to worship in the temple. So some would come uh, to fulfill their obligations to offer sacrifices. Some would come as a pilgrimage for the first time maybe in their life to see the temple. Uh, others would come because it was just the, the Passover celebration. So you had somewhere you all close to about a million or so people that would gather in Jerusalem during the feast of the Passover. So imagine this if you would. A million people descending on this little small city of Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. This is the backdrop that Jesus is now preparing to enter into Jerusalem. So the Bible says in Matthew uh, 21 that Jesus, as he's approaching Jerusalem, he asked his disciples to do something. He said, I want you to go uh, into the village that's nearby, and I want you to find a donkey tied there and a colt. And he says, as a matter of fact, neither one of them had been ridden. Uh, ask the person that is there uh, to get that and, uh, and bring it to me because I have need of it. Now, you all, I don't know about you, but that kind of uh, amazes me because back in those days, uh, donkeys and colts, I mean, these is what people use as beasts of burden, but some of them actually use it as transit. So it'd be like somebody saying, go uh, to the next town over and uh, you're going to go to somebody's house and you're going to tell them, I have need of your uh, Camry. I have need of your, uh, I have need of your Honda. You know what I'm saying? I have, need, I have need of your car. You don't know me, but I've got need of it. And then, of course, the Bible says that the, the person, when he heard the disciples request, uh, instantly released the donkey and the foal of the donkey and allowed Jesus to receive it. Uh, they brought the donkey and the coat and placed the cloaks on it for Jesus to sit on it. Imagine you all that at the same time Jesus was asking for it, God had already prepared it. Sometimes you all, you're asking for things and you're wondering which way and which direction it'll come. And sometimes God is preparing the answer while you're asking the very question. Uh, the whole time that this man was raising these, uh, these animals and preparing for these animals to be tied up, Jesus had a purpose for them, even though the owner did not know it. God sometimes will cause people that you don't know to bless you in some unexpected ways because while they're doing something they think is for themselves, 
They're actually setting up to bless you. Isn't that something? And so the Bible says that they brought these uh, animals to Jesus, and now Jesus is getting ready to have this triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Now, let me just, I hope I'm not going to be a party pooper. It's Palm Sunday, and we really enjoy Palm Sunday. Uh, but can I just share something with you? Um, the people that were getting ready to do what we're getting ready to talk about, they were not as excited about Jesus for who he was, but they were excited about the Jesus that they wanted him to be. In other words, they were getting ready to celebrate and to worship and to sing hallelujahs and hosannas and do all of these great uh, kind of expressions, but they were really doing it for a king that would do what they wanted him to do and be who they wanted him to be. It's interesting, you all, that these two seasons, both Christmas and Easter, these two huge Christian celebrations, have the same kind of backdrop. A king enters on the scene but comes in an unexpected way. In the first entrance of Jesus into the world, he's not born in a palace. He's not born with wealth, but born in a manger in an unexpected way. And now the King of glory, the King of kings and the Lord of lords is now getting ready to enter into Jerusalem. Listen, not being what the people wanted him to be, but coming to be who he was. Listen, we've got to be careful to not worship God for who we want him to be, but worship him for who he is. They wanted a savior that would deliver them from the oppression of the Romans. They wanted a savior that would deliver them from the oppression and the tyranny of all of these other people groups that were around them that were not acknowledging that they were the people of God. Listen, even though the Jewish people had their, their, their time, sometimes they were obedient, sometimes disobedient, sometimes obedient, sometimes disobedient. One thing that they know, they knew that they were the chosen people of God. They knew that God had chosen them. And so they were praying for a Messiah that would come and set people straight. Isn't this something that we would ask God, God, I want you to set some people straight. Have you ever prayed that prayer? You may not have said it with your mouth, but you said it in your heart. You went to, you went to work saying, God, in the name of Jesus, set these people straight. Yeah, you did. You, you, went, you, you going home after church because your husband's not here, your wife's not here, your little bad kids ain't here, and you go into the house and you're saying, God, set these people People straight, right? We, we want God to always set other people straight, but not us. They wanted a deliverer, and they were praying that maybe this would be the deliverer that they had been praying for, the Messiah that would come and finally deliver them from the oppression that they had known. And so look at what the text says that they did. It says, as the very large crowd, verse 8, came, they spread their cloaks on the road. They took the garments that they had, and they laid them down before the Lord. Listen, you all, can you imagine this scene? A million-plus people in this tiny little city of of Jerusalem, all now noticing this, 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 this man coming, riding, as, as Reese said, not on a, a great horse of honor and some, some great steed that was uh, noble, but instead on a, on a foal, on some, some measly kind of a, a coat. And they took their coats and their garments and they laid them down. There was a parade of humanity celebrating God. Let me just say this. Even though they were not celebrating him for the right reason, they did have enough sense to know to celebrate him. 
And let me just say to somebody that's here, uh, I'm questioning often what makes it so difficult for you to celebrate God. I was sharing with Pastor Reese that today our church, our entire church is going out in the community with what we call a parade of palms. We do it every single Palm Sunday. We go out and we sing songs of worship. We go and we wave palms and we pray for every single house in our community along the parade ride. Because you know why? Because sometimes we've got to take our faith out of the building. Sometimes we've got to take our relationship with God outside of the four walls of the church. And I know some of you all love praising God in the building, but what happens when you leave the building? Do you praise him at Circle K? Do you praise him at Chick-fil-A? Do you pray? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Do you praise him when you end up going over to Nordstrom's? Do you find yourself saying, when I look at how far God has brought me, when I look at how good God has been to me, I want to have a parade of people that walk with me to talk about how good God has been. Is there anybody here, God has been good to you. Oh, I feel like preaching. Uh-huh. Let me tell you something. When God has been good to you, you're not too proud to talk about it. You all, you all in athletic town, you know Duke makes noises, and you know UNC makes noise, but it's amazing to me when you come into the house of the Lord, the same people that will open their mouth for some people bouncing a ball that cannot save you will not open your mouth to give Jesus praise for being your deliverer. Is there anybody here that is willing to give God a praise for being an awesome and a mighty and a holy and a good and a magnificent and a merciful and a kind and a just and a loving God. Can we give him praise? He deserves it. He deserves it. So even though their motive was not correct, even though their heart was not necessarily in the right place, they were doing the right thing. They had a parade, a celebration of this. But not only that, you all, they... They took down palms. Why is this significant? Because you know, have you ever seen a palm tree? A palm tree doesn't really have branches. You've got to go way up to get them. As a matter of fact, as it grows, it doesn't allow there to be any uh, branches on the lower levels. It continues to only have branches towards the top, which meant to get palms and lay them down before Jesus, it cost them something. They had to climb up. They had to do some inconvenient things to bring the palms down to lay them uh, at Jesus' feet. And I'm just wondering for how many of us uh, does it cost you something to give God the praise that he deserves? Let me tell you something. Uh, it'll cost you something. Whenever you choose to give God glory and give God praise, sometimes it'll cost what other people will say about you. Sometimes when you choose to give God the glory and the praise, it will cost sometimes what people who are closest to you might begin to judge and call you stupid and call you crazy and call you outside of your mind. But let me tell you something. When it costs you something, you're doing what the scripture admonishes. It says, bring unto me a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of your lips giving him thanks and praise. That means that when you feel like it, praise him. And when you don't feel like it, praise him. That means when things are well, praise him. And when things are not well, praise him. That means when your body is sick, praise him. That means when your body is whole, you got a reason to praise him. That means when you ain't got a dime in your pocket, you praise him. That means when you're loaded and then some, you give him praise. I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall what? Continually be in my mouth. You are, I admonish you to let it be a sacrifice to praise him. 
to get the palms, it costs them something to reach up high and to come back down and to lay them before him. And the Bible says that Jesus now enters into Jerusalem with the people of God, the children of Israel crying out, Hosanna in the highest. And I love this. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Oh my gosh, can you imagine? The people were asking questions. The whole city was stirred. And I wonder what would it take to stir Durham? I wonder, how does a city get stirred without the stirrers doing the stirring? How does a city become aware of the goodness of God? Unless the people of God go outside of the four walls to show the goodness of God. You all, uh, nobody pays money to watch a huddle. The Super Bowl, right? Big expensive ticket. Imagine paying a lot of money to get good seats at the Super Bowl. And both teams come on the field. And both teams are on the field and they gather in the huddle for two minutes and 10 minutes and 20 minutes and an hour, an hour and a half. Then they have a halftime of the huddle. <laughs> then come back for the evening or the afternoon huddle. And then they huddle again and break and go home. Somebody would say, wait a minute, I paid too much of a price to watch a huddle. And it seems to me that Jesus paid too much of a price to watch the church huddle at 9 and huddle at 11 and huddle on Friday. God wants us to break the huddle and go out in the streets and play the game. The city was stirred at seeing this amazing crowd and they asked the question, uh, who are these people? Who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. You all, what an amazing scene. Finally, Jesus is getting a little of the credit that he deserves. Finally, Jesus is getting a little of the acknowledgement that he so righteously deserves. And you all, I sadly say that none of these people that were here were at his funeral. Not one of them. None of the people that were gathered saying Hosanna were there at his greatest moment of need. Because if he could not be who they wanted him to be, they refused to show up to worship him for who he was. God, if you don't answer my prayer the way I want it, then I'm not going to really serve you the way you deserve. If you don't show up the way that I'm asking you to show up, I will even doubt your existence because I want you to be a God that I make in my image. And when you do not fulfill that, I will not stay with you. And there's some of us that are listening right now. You've walked away from God because he's not been to you what you wanted him to be to you. And these people with their good intention, maybe in their heart, they had wrong motives. They wanted Jesus to deliver them and to answer their prayer the way that they wanted it. But I want you to now in this last part of the scripture, because I know it's Palm Sunday, but can I tell you something? We're entering into Holy Week. We just took communion. And we're entering into a season before Easter where there's suffering, where there's passion, where Jesus decided to do the ultimate sacrifice. And so you all, we've got these dual emotions, don't we? Palm Sunday, the celebration of the people 
Hosanna, you know. But at the same time, we know that these same people that were saying Hosanna would also say crucify him. Crucify him. Be careful of people who celebrate you. Because the same people sometimes that will celebrate you will be the very ones that will say crucify her. Crucify him. And so Jesus, being aware of this, I, listen to what he does, y'all. And this is, the, the, I don't know if anybody would ever connect this in a Palm Sunday sermon, but here it goes. Verse 12. Jesus does now at Passover what he did in the beginning of his ministry at Passover. That's this now. The first miracle that Jesus performed outside of Cana of Galilee is the miracle that he's getting ready to do again at the end of his ministry. Now, some of y'all will say, wait a minute. How do you say this is a miracle? I'm about to show you how it's going to be a miracle. Look at verse 12. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. Um, <laughs> you, you, okay, watch this. The temple required sacrifices. And every Jewish person had to bring a, blank, a spotless animal to bring before the priests to offer a sacrifice to God on behalf of their sin. Everybody required to do it. Some traveling long distances would bring uh, the animal with them, the sacrifice with them, uh, uh, hoping that it would not be blemished or harmed along the way because if it was not acceptable by the priest, they would have to discard it anyway. So many people traveling long distances waited until they got to the temple proper to actually make the purchase for their sacrifice. But listen, you all, the purchases normally were made outside of the temple. That's where they normally had the buying and the selling for those who would travel long distances and maybe didn't have a sacrifice. They would actually go outside of the temple courts and they would engage in whatever the price would be to buy a sacrifice so that they could present it to the priest. But now, because uh, the, the Jewish people and the Jewish leadership had become so intertwined with the Roman leadership, it was all about money-making. And so they moved the marketplace, or the, the buying and the selling of the animals from outside of the temple into the temple proper itself. And when they brought the animals into the temple, you all, not only did they bring them in, but they also would pay huge and exorbitant prices of interest for those that had to, uh, to purchase it. And if you had the wrong currency, they had to exchange uh, the currency to the currency of Jerusalem with a 25% exchange rate. So people that were coming that were already poor and, and marginalized found themselves often in very, very difficult conditions. But you all, uh, let me just give you a backdrop. What so the, the, the police force of the temple, they actually had temple police, and there were about 300 of them always present. 300 policemen who were part of the temple courts who would always make sure that there was order that would be kept. And then the Romans had a tower looking into the court to make sure that there was no incident or no issue. If so, uh, they would call a garrison of their own soldiers to come in and, and solve the issue. So 300 police inside and then you all there were thousands upon thousands of people gathered to bring these sacrifices inside of the temple now watch this explain to me if you would how you're going to tell thousands of people who are making money stop making money tell me if that's not a miracle because listen now the first time Jesus did it 
He turned over the tables. He did not lay hands on one person. I said, I told you Jesus was whipping butts and calling numbers. That's what Jesus did. No, he was not. He, listen, he had a holy anger over the house of God being turned into something that was irreverent. He refused to allow, listen, this is the only miracle that he did. That he did not out of compassion and mercy, but out of righteous indignation. Because watch this now, because he wanted to show the world that not only did I come to save, but I also came to judge. You better hear me now. So on his way to Calvary and on his way to the cross, he said, let me remind you all that I didn't come to judge you. I came into the world to save you, but there will be a day at the end of times that I will also come as the righteous judge. And so he went into the temple. And the Bible says he found some cords that were laying around. He tied them together overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling the doves. And he says, my house, watch this now, will be called, as it is written, a house of prayer. And isn't it amazing that last week, in this very place, for hours upon hours, people said, I want to pray. Because this house is a house of prayer. Let me just say something to those of you who may not know. I know you just think you stumbled into a church building and you stumbled into a place with some folks singing and talking in front of mics. No, you stumbled into a place where God's presence is. You've come into a place where the Lord is ready to meet you where you are. You've come into a place where those who are hopeless and those who are hurting and those who've been rejected everywhere else in this world will find acceptance from a God who will love you unconditionally and not leave you the way that he found you, but will make you all that he He's created you to be. You have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. And if you don't really understand what the church is all about, you will miss the importance and significance of, watch this now, the purging that God is doing in your life. God was grateful for the praises that was happening with the people. Thankful for the hosannas, thankful for the coats, thankful for the palms. But he said, you know what? I remember what Isaiah 1 said, uh, I'm not impressed with all of your feast days and festivals. I'm not impressed with your sacrifices that are given without a person's life being changed. And so what I'm looking for are for people who are willing to see their life transformed and changed by me. And sometimes you all watch this now. Sometimes he will gently lead us to change, won't he? Sometimes he will gently call us out of darkness and gently call us out of our sin and gently lead us away from the things that are destroying us. And listen, maybe right now that's what God has been doing. God has been trying to gently lead you away from the very things that have been destroying you. The relationships that you've been in that have been not godly. The, the habits that you have accrued over time that are not honoring to God. He's been gently trying to lead you and deliver you out of those things. But sometimes we are thick-headed. Sometimes we are so 
stuck on stupid that no matter what God, come on now, no matter what God graciously has been trying to do to pull us away from our sin and pull us away from our irreverence, sometimes he's got to get a little bit more bold about it. And the Bible tells us in this text that he decides to go into the temple, the place that represents God's presence, and show the people that what you have been doing that you thought was pleasing to me is unacceptable to me and it's time for some purging because judgment begins in the house of God judgment begins in the house of God let me let me just share this with those of us who feel as though God would never judge us we have this new theology that's not biblical Can't nobody judge me but God. Exactly. Exactly. Can't nobody judge me but God. Exactly. But many of us, listen, we, listen, we only want to lay palms before the Savior who would never judge us. We only want to lay cloaks and coats before the Savior who would never judge us. I want a Jesus who will be made in my image. I want a Jesus who will tolerate my sin. I want a Jesus who will accept me for being less than what God has created me to be. But let me tell you something. God will not leave you in your current state. God will not. Listen, that's why nothing that you're doing right now is really working. How many of y'all saw the color purple? This is what God done done to you. Ain't nothing going to go right by you. <laughs> Ain't nothing going to go right in your life until you get your life right with God. Jesus performs a miracle unlike any other. He goes into the temple and people who are making money. And, in, in the, and I love the first one in, in, in John's gospel because it even says that the, it kind of implies that the animals themselves got up and started leaving. <laughs> Don't look sideways because if he can make a whole bunch of animals go into an ark two by two, he can also make some doves and some, cat, some cattle leave up out the place. So not only that, you all, but the money changers left. The people who were making profit left. No, listen, Jesus, one person against thousands of money changers. They all left. Because when the judge shows up, you must comply. And so as we enter into Holy Week, as much as I would love to lean in on just celebrating only, as much as I would love to lean in the importance of the church being outside of the four walls only, I want to remind us that there's purging that must take place. That the same Jesus that loves you as Savior also loves you as judge. And are you willing to allow him to purge some things out of your life that you know are keeping you from him? The Bible tells us that when we take communion together, that that is a time to judge ourselves. It says examine yourselves so that you do not eat or drink unworthily, so that before the Lord can judge us, we choose to judge ourselves. And you all, it's not just accidental that we had communion today. 
It's not just accidental that you remembered the Lord's death, burial, and resurrection by taking the cup and taking the bread because it reminded you that the same way Jesus sacrificed his life to do that that God called him to do, I am choosing to sacrifice my life, not my will, but your will be done. And so New Hope, you know how much I love to shout and praise and run. But can I tell you this? I'd rather you not shout, not run, not even praise until you purge. How do you purge? You, you make the decision. I make the decision. We together say, God, and you know, remember back in the day we pray prayers like, Lord, if you find anything that's not like you, like you got to look hard. Like you, <laughs> come on, right? Like we, like we got like to search, Lord, if you find anything that ain't like you. Like you know it's a lot of stuff that ain't like him. You ain't got to wonder if you, find, if, if you happen to find anything. Where do we start? <laughs> There's no sin that you have that's greater than the love of God for you. There's nothing that you've done or are doing that is greater than the love of God for you. I don't care what it is, Pastor, if you knew this, no, it doesn't matter what it is. There's no thing that you can or ever will do that is greater than the blood of Jesus to forgive you and wash your sins away and make you wholly acceptable to him. But you've got to acknowledge that you have sinned. And you are, all of us have sinned, right? My prayer in Jesus' name, church, as we enter into Holy Week, is that we would take moments of inventory and say, God, I don't want to be one of those people that praises you when it's convenient. I don't want to be one of those people that gives you glory because I want you to be what I want you to be, but I want to be one of those people that, that even praises you in the pruning and praises you in the purging and praises you in the revealing of what's not right with me. I preached one time, Reese, at a church, this big old church, and had my, my, my fly open the entire service. The entire service. And none of the people that were in front of me that claimed that they loved me and Jesus were telling me, you know, give me, you know, give me, no, nobody gave me the signal. I would have rather had the embarrassment of someone telling me, Harvey, your zipper is open than for people not wanting to deal with it and letting me look like a fool the whole sermon. I would rather you feel a bit uncomfortable with your life that's been a zipper that's open and for someone telling you it's time to zip up your zipper. You've got some spit in the corner of your mouth. you got some stuff in your eyeball. <laughs> Would you like a mint? <laughs> I'd rather somebody tell me that, right? You all, I, I, I want to pray with us. Because I believe with all of my heart that this Palm Sunday is not just a remembrance of the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And it was but it was triumphant for another reason other than what the people wanted. 
It was about what he was getting ready to do. Fulfilling the scriptures. Doing what the Old Testament prophets said he would do. Riding the way he would come. Getting ready to judge. Getting ready to enter into the hardest time that he's ever had with his father. The God that he's been one with now choosing to be separated for us. And so here's the question. What is it in your life right now that's keeping you from God? What is it in your life right now that is the sin that so easily besets you? This holy week is a time for us to purge. To say, God, you know what? We're no longer worshiping in temples only, but we are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And if God purges a natural temple that it becomes a place of prayer and a place of honor, then surely he will purge my, my, my natural temple, right? To let it reflect what he calls us to do. At the end of the service, I'm, I'm going to ask those of you that are willing to make your way to the altar and to simply say to God, nobody has to hear your business but you and God. God, I cannot do this alone. This is bigger than me. Some of you have dealt with this your whole life. Some of y'all, it maybe it's a new situation, but God, I need you to purge me of this irreverence that doesn't line up with you. And God is able to do it. And on the other side of your deliverance, and on the other side of God's gracious healing power, then you'll be able to give him praise that's not conditional. You'll give him praise that's not based on what he'll do for you, but just based on who he is. You cannot do that with hands and hearts that are heavy because of iniquity. If you're listening and you've never given your life to Jesus ever, Maybe you thought that becoming a Christian meant you had to do some weird stuff. No, you just surrender. God, I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. And in that one moment, you can come to know him. So those that are watching online, those that are watching uh, by way of the Internet later on, and those that are here, I want you now to do some business with God. Pray to God to save. Pray to God to deliver. Pray to God to help us be who he has called us to be. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, we come to you on this Palm Sunday. <clears throat> a Palm Sunday that the unexpected happens. God, you are a God of the unexpected. And they expected a king of Nazareth that would come and deliver them from the, the tyranny of the Romans. <laughs> that wasn't your plan. They expected a Jesus that would make life easier for them. That was not your plan. You had an eternal purpose. And help us, oh God, to not worship you contingent upon what we want you to be for us. But more importantly, what you're calling us to be in you. For everyone that's listening now, if you are far from God, would you simply say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. That's all you got to do. If you, wherever you are on the journey, God, Jesus, I, I surrender my soul. My life is yours. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I trust you. If you said that prayer, guess what? Jesus heard you, and now you are part of his family. You are the beloved. You're born of him. Let somebody know about it. For the rest of us that are here, and we love Jesus, but we've got so much going on. God, we pray in Jesus' name that you would supernaturally drive out those things in us that are not like you. Those evil things and thoughts and habits and intentions that are far from you. Oh, God, 
The same way you cleanse the natural temple, would you cleanse our body, our minds, our souls. And so, child of God, I want you right now to just think about what that thing or those things are that you want to bring before him this holy week and say, God, would you purge? Would you prune? Would you, would you remove? Now, God, we love you and we honor and we bless you. I thank you, Lord God, that there's some people that are listening right now that will never be the same. That on the other side of this Palm Sunday, they'll say, I thank you that I can now praise God in a new way because I've been set free of the sin that so easily beset me. Only you can do that, God. We trust you to do only what you can do. And it's in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus that we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah.